Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, dog? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> oh, I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 363, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Yeah, so that's the goal. That's the hope. We'll see if it comes across that way. Who knows? Who knows what yeah. will happen? So we're going to do a little Cowboys mock drafting today because that's always fun. And the draft is four. Well, we're recording this on a Thursday, so it is four weeks from today. The first round of the NFL draft got some news and notes from around the block. And of course, those Dallas Mavericks who really, really, really do not want to make the playoffs. And I don't know why, (laughs) but we're going to jump into all that. But before we do. As always, we started off with perhaps the most important thing you will hear the entire hour that we're doing this. Greening Law, man. Have you been hurt in a car accident? Have you experienced malpractice? Were you injured on the premises of a business? Whatever the case may be, if you have suffered an injury and it was not your fault and you've got to get insurance companies involved, you need Greening Law. Robert Greening and his green team, as they're known, They go behind the scenes and fight that legal battle. They fight those insurance companies and they work their magic to make sure that you are taken care of and you don't have to mess with that so that you do what? You focus on going to the appointments they set for you, getting better, getting your body and your mind back to where it was before the accident you have. That's what Greening Law is all about. Did you hear what Matt just said? He said going to the appointments that they set for you. You see, that's what we're talking about. That's what Greening Law does. That's what the Green Team does. If they take you on as a client, then they handle all the little stuff. They handle the big stuff too, but it's the little stuff that you don't know about. It's, uh, it's, it's, they're the people who walk you through the process, which Matt can attest to. It can be long and tedious and complicated and intimidating, and who doesn't want a friend with them through that whole process? Grinning Lock can do that for you. And then don't forget, the consultation with them is free, and they don't get paid unless you get paid. So it's never a wonder if, wow, they got so many clients. Do they have time for me? Yeah, they got time for you. If they bring you on as a client, they expect you to win. They expect to win. And who doesn't want to ride with a team like that? That's exactly right, my friend. And it's easy. As Jacques said, that consultation's free. If you believe you may have a case, give them a call and find out. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now, offices, Dallas, Texas. 
I love doing mock drafts, man. We've been doing this. We did it on the radio. We do it on the podcast every year. It's just, for whatever reason, it's just a lot of fun to try and figure out how this thing will go with the Dallas Cowboys. And so for that, we will go to our mock draft. How many rounds do you want to do? You want to do four or five? I don't want to do all seven. No, I always think four is a good, is a good number, and here's why. Uh, having done this for uh, Cover the Cowboys for almost 30 years and talking to scouting directors, whether it was Larry Lacewell or Will McClay uh, or Tom Sikowski over the years, after the fourth round, they're looking for players. After the fourth round, they put it like this. It's basically a crapshoot. They're looking for players who have a singular talent. You bring those, you draft those guys in, hoping that they can, one, maximize that singular talent, and maybe you discover some other stuff along the way. And so that's why I like four, because four is really your top hundred or so players. That's where your best players. And I don't want to do a crapshoot because, hell, we, we will not have heard of any of those guys anyway. So we will go through this exercise and see the way we do it on the mock draft simulator. It makes it difficult to trade up because it like you put it on fast, because if you don't, then otherwise it moves really, really slow. But if you want we can try that to see where Bijan would go because I've done I've done it a couple of times today, just messing around with it this morning. And Bijan's gone well. Like at one point, he went at like eighteen or nineteen, and I thought I wonder if the Cowboys would be interested in moving up at that point. Like, what would it take if he got into the late teens to jump up there and grab him? But a lot of the times, he's going to Philly at ten, which is kind of where I realistically expect him to go. You know, the only thing about that is their GM has not been a guy who liked drafting running backs like that. Yeah, and, and we shall see. You wonder if, if they believe it's an all-world talent and somebody like that that can come in and do that, would, would they be willing to go that way? I don't know. But the point being, let's just leave it how it is for now. So the Cowboys are on the clock at 26. Here we are at pick 26, and I can tell you a couple of picks before us We've had Jordan Addison, the wide receiver, went 22nd overall to Baltimore. Joey Porter Jr., the quarterback, is the pick right before the Cowboys at pick 25. So we're on the board at 26. We've got an offer from the Bengals that I might actually accept because they're offering pick 28 to swap back two picks and offering a third-round pick in the 2024 draft. Doesn't do us any good today. But the guys that are on the board for us, if we want to tie it in, they're there. Dalton Kincaid from Utah and Michael Mayer from Notre Dame are there. The edge Nolan Smith from Georgia is there. And the wide receiver Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee is there. I'm actually fine with any four of those picks. Well, see, so if you're fine with any four of those, then that means you take the trade and go back to 28 and pick up the pick. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Because the guy that you want will be there. One of the four guys you want will be there. So here's the question. So if you stay, who are you taking? See, this is what's interesting. I'm probably, man, they just, I'm very curious about a tight end in the first round, what that may be. It feels like as we're getting closer to the draft, because coming out of the season, Michael Mayer was hands down. Oh, he's the first tight end off the board. He's going to go top 15. But as we've gotten closer to the draft, you're seeing more that that dude is lasting later in all the mocks. And Dalton Kincaid, the tight end out of Utah, has, it, it almost seems like they're neck and neck and, and both of them are kind of looked at the same now for whatever reason. Because originally I would have said, if we're sitting there at 26 and can get Michael Mayer, I would have said him. But I just don't know. I mean, do we want tight end in the first round when we probably can get a solid tight end that we believe in, like a Jake Ferguson, a, a Dalton Schultz in the fourth round? Um, 
Yeah, because I'm trying to upgrade. So if I want to upgrade, so I took that trade, which means Michael Mayer went 27 to Buffalo. But Dalton Kincaid is still on the board. So is Nolan Smith. So is Jalen Hyatt. All right. I'll take Kincaid, but I really wanted um, Meyer. Let me double check why I wanted Meyer. I think I wanted Meyer for a reason, Uh, but I'm double checking the reason I draft a because I don't have a war room. I mean, he's Um, a big dude and was a beast at Notre Dame. 6'4", 265. Okay, see, that's why I wanted him. Um, because I know what Jake Ferguson can do. I think Jake Ferguson is a good player. I think Jake Ferguson is capable of starting. But I want to be – I want depth, and I want to improve my team. I want to give Dak another real uh, player he can use. And here's the other deal. We want to run the ball more, according to our coach, Mike, Meyer, I mean Mike McCarthy. Right. Uh, or at least run it more effectively. 240-pound Dalton uh, Kincaid is not – going to be a difference maker as a blocker he's going to be a shielder a guy who can get in the way mayor can be a blocker he's a difference maker jason witten 6'5, 265 yeah. if you want a guy who can block they need to be in the 260 265 range that's what he does and that's who i would have liked but since he's not there i'll take kincaid who can threaten the seam and get downfield and make some big plays and uh, I'll go on about my business. All right, so we have selected Dalton Kincaid, the first Cowboys tight end in the first round since David LaFleur in what, 97? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> We've done it. We've shattered everything the Cowboys know. So, of course, there's no way they'll be doing this. So now we are in the second round, and this is going to be interesting to see what direction we decide to go here. Man, I, I think I already know the answer probably here, but... Seattle took Jameer Gibbs at 54. Marvin Mims, the wide receiver from Oklahoma, went at 56. We're at 58. The Jets have offered us pick 67 and a third-round pick. I'm probably staying here. It depends, though. So here's who's available. You got Drew Sanders, the linebacker out of Arkansas, and Jack Campbell, the linebacker out of Iowa. Osiris Torrance somehow is here at 58, the guard from Florida that a lot of people think will go at the end of the first round. And you also have Zach Charbonnet, the running back from UCLA. But if I'm doing this, I'm probably going to go ahead and take Osiris Torrance because I might could have gotten him. Some people thought he would go 26 to 32 in the first round. And the fact he's here at 58, I I don't know that I would turn that down. No, I would take him because I was going to ask about the TCU guard, Steve Avioli, I think. Um, if he was there, but Osiris is a better player than him. So, yeah. The only other thing, this is a first mock that I've done where he's been here this late because I've been taking Derek Hall, the edge rusher out of Auburn at 58. But I think this time, let's take the guard, Osiris Torrance, who's a steal at 58, I feel like. So that gets us into the third round. And this is where it gets interesting. Oh, okay. We may be going running back in the third round, but before we get to that, here's the picks right before ours that went Eli Ricks, the cornerback from Bama at 86. Kayshawn Boutte, the wide receiver from LSU at 87. A.T. Perry, wide receiver, 88. Jalen Jones, cornerback, 89. Zach Charbonnet went earlier in the third round. Derek Hall's gone. So, yeah, this is where it gets interesting for the Cowboys at 90. Tank Bigsby, the running back from Auburn, is here. Zach Evans, the running back from Ole Miss, is here. Now, I've, I've told you about this, dude. I think we might have mentioned him on the podcast. I can't remember. UAB. Yeah, the UA, Dwayne McBride, who is a large dude, 
who is fast as hell and had back-to-back extraordinarily productive seasons. Now, granted, he's running in Conference USA. But what's interesting about this mock draft simulator is they have him rated like he's a fifth-round guy. And there's no way in hell that's happening, I, I think. Now, he's not, a, he's not like a huge dude in terms of height. He's 5'11". I think he's like 2-something, two 215, 220. Yeah, he's 215. So he's 5'11", 215. And then you got to decide, do you like him better than a guy like a Tank Bigsby who was kind of underutilized with Brian Harson there at Auburn, but is a very good back, six foot, 215. So to me, I'd be fine with either one of those guys, Bigsby or Dwayne McBride. I think you're getting a really nice compliment, but I'd go running back here with either one of those two guys. Where did uh, A-Chain go, A-Chain? He went probably second round, I would guess. Let me see. Uh, yeah. Right. Oh, he went very beginning of the third round, the, the second pick in the third round. Okay. Um, since we did scouting information on the uh, running back from UAB, I would just take him. So Dwayne McBride from UAB, the pick. I think the Cowboys would be very happy with him. He'd be a nice compliment to Tony Pollard. So then this is where we get to the, the fourth round pick here. And these are always, you never know. So fourth round, we still haven't drafted a wide receiver. Do we feel like we want to go wide receiver here? I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I see a couple of guys I recognize, like DeMar- DeMarvian Overshone, the linebacker out of Texas, is still on the board here. Uh, Jair Brown, the safety out of Penn State. Isaiah Land, let's see. But now you're getting down into the realm of a lot of these names. See, this is what's interesting. Luke Schoonmaker, the tight end from Michigan. If they don't go tight end in the first round, I think he he's one of those Jake Ferguson type guys. I would not be surprised at all if in reality, if they don't go tight end in the first round, if that's the guy that they look at in the fourth round. But we already right, have right, our right. tight end. But if we want wide receiver, yeah. let's see. Nobody that uh, Ronnie Bell from Michigan, Jaden Hazelwood from Arkansas. He was the kid at OU that transferred to Arkansas. Those are the only two I reckon. Well, Charlie Jones from Purdue. I don't know. I'm I'm probably not necessarily sold on the fourth round wide receiver. They probably because now at this point, they're all about the same. Unless you're getting somebody who's uh, got some kind of, you know, size or speed or something individual about them. Uh, yeah, and we've gone offense. So we we went we went tight end first round, guard second round, running back third round. Do we go defense here? And, and just take, like, Overshone, who is right now the highest-rated defensive player left on the board according to these rankings. Sounds like it. Okay, so then that would be the selection at round four, DeMarvian Overshone from Texas. And those would be our four picks in the fourth round. So what we did, we traded back two spots in the first round. We still get Dalton Kincaid. We get Osiris Torrance to shore up the offensive line in the second round. Dwayne McBride in the third round and DeMarvian Overshone in the fourth round and we also picked up cincinnati's third round selection in 2024 not bad that's a pretty good draft i think i think that's a positive draft i'm a big fan of that no i I liked it because um i like the tight end because you know the cowboys have put together a nice offseason and so it's about getting depth so that you when you have injuries that you're not decimated and it's about adding good productive players to your roster and so as long as you're adding guys who can play, you're good. Yeah. I mean, that sounds elementary, but sometimes you add busters, guys who can't play. So you just need good players, and uh, you want all 53 to be good. I mean, that sounds obvious, but trust me, it's not. That's very true. That is very true. 
And that is something that we have seen the Cowboys be good at at times. I mean, that's where coming in, and, and we don't do rounds five, six, or seven, but, you know, the Cowboys are very, very good in those rounds at finding guys that a lot of the times end up earning that second contract. And we've got some of those extra comp picks, and we've seen kind of how they've used them in some of the trades this year. But it, it gives them that opportunity to try and get some of those guys to that can at least give it, get on the field and give you depth and you are not absolute trash. But they've, well, they, not, I mean, this is a good drafting franchise. They draft well for the most part. No, they do. I mean, nobody is perfect, so you will always miss on some guys or some guys won't be quite what you thought they were going to be. But in general, they do a really good job. I mean, look at last year. They got Deron Bland, fifth round. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, they, they've done a very – I mean, Donovan Wilson's a great example of that. Six-round guy. You know? Anthony Brown was a uh, fifth-round guy, I think, or a six-round guy. Yeah, I mean, you, you know? go through what they've done the last few years, and, and they, they've had some headway of guys that have been able to make a difference for them that are a part of what they do. And regardless of – I mean, even like a Tyler Biotish, who was a fourth-round guy, actually their second fourth-round pick that year – it, is he some elite offensive lineman? No, but he's a solid guy that I don't think you really have a problem with being your center. And here's what I do know. If they don't sign him to a deal, he'll go get three years and 27 yeah, million somewhere exactly. else. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. And so, you know, that's why we've talked about, like, you don't necessarily – need to have every single offensive lineman being a first round draft pick it's okay to have a fourth round center it is it doesn't have to be travis frederick you don't have to have travis frederick as your center to be a solid offensive line that can move the ball down the field so we'll see where they go but i actually like our draft i mean obviously if osiris torrance is there in the second round which i don't think that was i have a hard time buying that he would make it to 58 as a matter of fact, I could see them. That would be a guy, if he got to 50, that you might make a move and try to jump up in the second round and get. Really? I mean, he's, from everything I've read, he's generally looked at as one of the top two guards in the draft. And, and if you feel like you need to get an offensive lineman and you can get a guy like that in the second round, why not? Then again, it depends on what it costs you. Yeah. And in general, I don't trust a dude's named Osiris. That's just, that's just me. You know a lot of Osiruses? Ne never even heard of one until he showed up, so that makes me suspicious. Sounds like an alias. Sounds like an alias. His real name is something totally different, but he hated it, so he just made this up. Yep. That's awesome. You know, my dad, my dad got me. Now, this is very subtle. But my dad was so mad at, at, his, at his father, my grandfather, uh, they had about a five-year period when, when he was probably 17 to 22. That was pretty rough. That he changed the spelling. He was a junior. And he changed the spelling of his middle name so that he wouldn't be a junior. And he changed it from Lewis, L-E-W-I-S, to L-O-U-I-S. That's wild, man. Yep. So on all his papers now and all his stuff, it's L-O-U-I-S. But that's not how it started out originally. Hmm. <laughs> interesting everybody's got their reasons i mean you hear about people changing their names from time to time and everybody has their reasons yep that's fantastic man <laughs> so as we continue here and roll forth let's tell you about freeway tire shop if we may and we may so it is freeway tire shop again i, I continue to tell you guys this wherever you live if you are in the north texas area 
the best thing to do is roll over to freeway tire shop, drop off your vehicle, tell JR, Hey man. And, and again, and we've had some of you that reach out, you know what? I wanted to kind of check out and see if I buy, bought into what you guys are saying. Cause I've had a couple of you that'll message us on Instagram or whatever and say, I just went over for an oil change and Holy cap. Like you, you guys are legit. Like the, the customer service and the way that he handles just for an oil change. Now I'm going back and I'm going to be going there for my major repairs and stuff like that. Cause we all run into those situations that we need from time to time, tires and brakes and stuff like that, that cost a little bit more. And like you've been telling us, Jacques, I mean, the thing about JR is he stands behind his work, but he offers a fair price and he explains to you exactly what the situation is with anything that you may have in, in terms of your vehicle. And that's really all you want, man. I, I started rocking with JR because I trust him, man. Um, he earned my trust. I mean, let's keep it real. And that's because the uh, first couple of times I took my car over there, he, he did what he always does. He diagnosed the problem very quickly, offered me some part solutions, uh, quality parts as opposed to cheaper parts. Uh, you know, and then I trusted him to give me a fair price, and he did. And then I trust him to stand behind his work, and he does. And so I tell you all all the time, if you're a mechanic, and everybody's got a mechanic, even if you go to the dealer, yes, a mechanic, um, if your mechanic doesn't do all four of those things that I just mentioned, then take your butt right up 35 north toward Denton. Get off at Commonwealth. Go through the light. Look it to the right. He's, his huge shop is there. Just pull off. I'm telling your boys from Jam Session sent you. And I'm telling you, it's one of the best moves you made because nobody wants an unreliable ride. Unreliable car is like one of the worst things on the planet. Uh, a reliable, trustworthy mechanic, that's one of the best things on the planet. It is. It, it very much is, which is why we've got JR for you guys. Freeway Tire Shop. Easy to find, very convenient, just north of downtown Dallas, so check them out. You can also find out more info at freewaytireshop.com. And I mention this all the time, and it, it's true. If you're going to do that, make a day of it. And when you drop off your car at Freeway Tire Shop, roll around the corner off Mockingbird and go hit up Smokey John's. And what's cool about that is you're hitting two of our main sponsors, which is great because they continue to make the podcast possible. And it's a service for you because one, you know, your car is going to get taken care of. And then while you're doing that, you're hungry for lunch. You swing over to Smokey John's and you're like, holy crap. So I'm blown away by two of these guys. Not only is Freeway Tire Shop everything they said it would be, Smokey John's is everything they said it would be. You can order the Jam Session Bowl. The only thing ever created by any entity ever directly for the podcast that you can eat that's for you the jam session bowl <laughs> and it's awesome it, it's really really good barbecue i know it's fantastic man and, and jam session bowl in case somehow you haven't heard of it it's got a mac and cheese or macaroni base i mean or mashed potato base either one of them is fantastic i've had them both probably equally just depends on what i'm in the mood for then your choice out of two out of five smoked meats the brisket, I roll with that. And usually I roll with the sausage, but I have used the chicken sometimes. And then, man, they throw all that stuff you find on a loaded baked potato, like chives and butter and bacon bits and sour cream. It's fantastic. They drizzle it with that special Smokey John sauce, and it is sensationally scrumptious, if that's a word. Um, but as, as I tell you all the time, it's enough for two, easy. And if you got a little shorty, the three of y'all can handle it. If it's just two of you, you might even take some leftovers home. It's fantastic. It's a whole lot of food. You feel like you're getting more than your money's worth. And it's delicious. Yes, it is. So there you have it. I mean, Jacques just told you all about it, man. It's Smokey John's Barbecue. So check them out. It's funny because my future in-laws 
they had gotten, I believe we gave them a bottle of Smokey John's barbecue sauce for Christmas, and they have finally gotten around to getting into that. And they texted us last night like, man, this is really good sauce. I was like, I'm telling you guys, the barbecue sauce is awesome. It really legitimately is. So, yes. You think I was lying? Right. I mean, anytime you want to have a taste of Texas barbecue, wherever you are, those of you that aren't even in Texas that listen to the podcast, you can order it at SmokeyJohns.com and they will ship it to wherever you are and you can try some of their sauce because it legitimately is extraordinarily good. But as we move forth here on the podcast, let's take this trip around the block because I got a couple of things for you here. First, the DFW James Beard Award finalists have been announced. And for those of you that might have forgotten, James, the James Beard Award is like the highest, I guess. You know, there's Michelin stars or whatever. But that's usually for like the crazy, super nice stuff. The James Beard Award is for a variety of different categories, but are generally looked at. I mean, if you're a James Beard Award winning restaurant, you're some of the best in the country. Okay. Okay. And so the DFW area has two best new restaurant nominees two outstanding bakery nominees, one outstanding restaurant nominee, and one best chef in Texas nominee. So the the best new restaurant, the outstanding bakery, and the outstanding restaurant, those are like nominees out of like five or seven in the entire country. Damn. So that's telling you something. So let's see. There are 10 nominees in the best new restaurant category in the country. Two of them in Dallas, one called Don Artemio, Don Artemio, which is a Fort Worth contemporary Mexican restaurant. And another one is right there in Oak Cliff. It's a Cajun spot known as Restaurant Beatrice. Really? Yes. And it is named as one of the top 10 new restaurants in the country and, and might win. Restaurant Beatrice right there in Oak Cliff. You should go check it out. I was going to say, where is it? I don't know. Let's see. I can look it up if you want. I wonder if it's over there in the, what do they call that place? I forget. Bishop Arts? Yeah. Because it sounds like there's a couple that are over there. Restaurant Beatrice. Yeah, it's off of Beckley. Yeah, so it's over in that area. All right, I'll go check it out. Yeah, so let's see. Elsewhere, in the national category for Outstanding Bakery, five nominees across the country. DFW has two nominees for Outstanding Bakery. In Richardson, you have La Casita Bake Shop. And in Dallas, you have, and I'm probably going to butcher this name, Kalunta Bakery. <laughs> K-U-L-U-N-T-U. Looks like Kalunta. Yeah, sounds fine to me. <laughs> That's kind of cool, man. I mean, five, nom- five nominees in the country, and two of them are right there in DFW. And uh, yes. that one is off of Haynes Avenue, Kalunta Bakery, which... Trying to see where that is. That is over there. That's not far from you at all, dude. That is over there off. It's in between Beckley and Sylvan, south of Colorado, off of kind of Bishop. Okay. So that's down there. That's not too far from that area as well. It's a little north of Bishop Arts. All right. No, that's not very far at all. I was looking up Restaurant Beatrice. That's a fancy spot, bro. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, with that name. They've got stuff like uh, Duck Confit. Mm. For $29. $29. Now, check this out. Camellia red beans and rice for $34. I wonder if you take Camellia's name off of it, if you can get it for like $5. Yeah. You're just like, you know what? I'll just have the (laughs) non-Camellia. 
It's fine with me. Yeah. Uh, mac and cheese, 12 bucks for a side. Okay. For macaroni and cheese? Hey, man, I told you it's a little fancy. I'm little not fancy. paying, look, I'm not paying $12 for macaroni and cheese. You've lost me at the double digit mark for macaroni and cheese. And uh, Mama's fried chicken, three piece dark meat, so I'm out on that, is uh, $24. I Made mean, to order, worth the wait. $8 per piece for a piece of chicken. And one, a, and one of them is a leg. Mm. <laughs> but hey, this is some of the best in the, in the country. Right I mean, here, what so. are you doing to your macaroni and cheese where I'm giving you $12 for it? Is it some cheese I've never heard of? It probably is. Did you hand make the macaroni? <laughs> Maybe if you did. You know, it's like high priced escorts. Like, what do you do that's so incredibly different from everybody else that you're worth $100 an hour? Or whatever it is. I don't know how much a high price escort costs. It's just off the top of my head from movies that I've seen. <laughs> okay. I, I was like, wow, you said that with confidence. <laughs> no, no. And I, was, so. and I was like, that doesn't really sound all that expensive. No, I mean, I don't know what it is. Maybe, you know, $1,000 a night, whatever they charge. I'm always like, what is it that you do? Because I just don't get it. Like, what is it about this macaroni and cheese? Because I can go get macaroni and cheese for like four bucks. So you're three times the amount of normal macaroni and cheese that I find pretty damn good. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you get intrigued by these spots. You just want to go check them out and see if, and see if they if they're worth the hype. So the other one, one of the five finalists in the country for the national outstanding restaurant, and again, this is the best restaurant in the entire country. One of them is right there in Oak Cliff, the longtime Italian spot, simply known as Lucia. Why have, I, why have I not heard of the long-time Italian spot? I don't know. It's right there off North Bishop as well. Right Every, there smack like, dab. Seems like everything's over there. <laughs> they got some good stuff, man. I mean, I, I've never been to Lucia, but I knew what it was. And I've, I've walked by it a couple of times when I used to live in the area. And we used, to, we used to go to Bishop Arts every so often. I probably walked by and haven't paid any attention to it is probably the thing. But you may have to check. I mean, you're talking about it is considered right now one of the top five restaurants in the entire country. Uh, you know what's interesting, man? As I've gotten older, Italian restaurants just don't do anything for me. I can see that. They're very, very heavy. I think, I was going to say, I can't really come up with why, and I think you just hit the nail on the head. Like, maybe for lunch, but, like, the last thing I want to do at dinner as I, you know, continue this never-ending transformation from former fat guy to fit Mm -hmm. is go have a big plate of pasta at six o'clock or seven o'clock good lord and a matter of fact i don't even um i eat pasta but i really try if i have it i try to eat it you know early in the day um 12 o'clock one o'clock a lot of times shoot dude i'll have it kind of for breakfast at you know nine or ten o'clock um that way you got the rest of the day to kind of work it off get it out your system but uh, pasta is really good but dude it's so heavy i don't i don't like to eat it very late yeah, I, I've gotten to a point, it's kind of wild, I don't, like in the last, this is probably the last two or three weeks that I've started to do this, like I don't eat after eight o'clock anymore. All right. I and and I, I've been doing, because I don't eat breakfast until usually like 10.30 or so, so I'm doing basically like 14, 14 and a half, 15 hours in between dinner and breakfast. Okay, why are you doing so long? It's just like a fast to where you kind of allow your body and certain things, I mean, to get really into this. So I read a book recently 
I can't remember the title of it. I have to go look it up, but it was essentially about like aging better and how to age and be healthier longer. And what it's one of the things that the book recommended doing, and it really goes into the science. I mean, down to the cellular level (laughs) of what they've done when studying like fasts like that overnight in between meals and allowing things at the cellular level like really technical stuff getting into this is what like studies have shown happens and how your body repairs and does these things and it forces your it's just it it was really interesting it's like hmm, interesting now i I don't know if i'll do that on the weekends but monday through friday i I, that's kind of like my thing and my schedule allows for that like i'm not for whatever reason i'm just not when i wake up i drink water immediately And I'm usually not, and then I'll have a cup of coffee and I've started drinking a cup of green tea every morning for the health benefits of what green tea provides. And I just, I don't know, like at 1030, I'm like, oh, I guess I'm hungry now. So I make my sausage and eggs and move on. (laughs) Jeez, that's impressive. That's impressive. You're taking it to another level. Yeah, it's gotten upset. Like the lady is like, you have, you're out of control. I was like, I mean, am I though? Because if it works, awesome. If not, it's not like I'm hurting myself. No, no, it's, you know, it's good to try different things and step out and just see what works for you, what you like, what you don't like. And so, you know, it's all good. Yeah. And there is, I have like a lot of, like some really actual, and cause she was asking me, she's like, why have you gotten so into this? And I explained to her why she, well, that makes a ton of sense. I was like, yeah. So, and that's kind of like a thing I probably won't, I can tell you why, but I don't know that I'll get into it on the podcast. Oh, okay. Some things are not for public. Oh, you've got to keep an air of mystery by <laughs> Yeah, so back to the food thing. Yeah, those are the nominees. And what's funny is, because there's a variety of categories, and that's what they were nominated for. And then they did not have any nominees for Outstanding Chef nationally out, uh, or Outstanding Hospitality, which is interesting because there is a place in Birmingham, and this is... They were nominated last year. They're one of the five finalists again this year for best hospitality. It's a meat and three restaurant, which meat and three, which I don't know that you ever hear about this if you're from Texas. I was going to I was just about to open my mouth and say, what the hell is that? Meat and threes are huge in Alabama. It's a deep South thing, which basically is exactly what it sounds like. You go in and you order a meat like most of the time. And I'm, I kid you not. It'll be something like a fried chicken, ham, like country ham, beef, country fried steak, meatloaf, like stuff like that. That's your meat. And then you're three. And you get three side dishes that generally speaking oh. would be like, you know, greens or green beans or peas or squash or macaroni and cheese or something like that. Mm. Right. And it's so a meat and three. <laughs> All right. Okay. That makes sense now. It's just the way they say it. Yeah. And this place in it's, it's in a little small suburb of Birmingham, like not too far from downtown. It's called Johnny's. And this is a second year in a row that they've been named as one of the top five finalists for best hospitality in the country. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I'm like, man. And I've been there. I, I went there before when I lived here previously and the lady was like, we should go check it out. I was like, I mean, I'm just like, I'm not really a meat and three person, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, don't you, want, wanna, you like the meat or you don't want the three. Yeah. Generally speaking, just it, it's the way that they, this isn't, I mean, look, we're talking about comfort food. We're talking about deep South comfort food. So it, it can be, it's not exactly prepared in a way 
that I don't know that I would, you know, maybe I'll have a bite of this and a bite of that, but like all the side items, it's not like that, like, you know, it's greasy and fatty and all that type of thing. Oh, all right. Yeah. I was so. gonna say, just, you could go split it with it, but you don't even want that much. Yeah. I mean, I might have a bite of this or a bite of that. I mean, greens are greens. I don't know how, you know, but then again, it depends how, how you prepare them. Like, what am I also eating along with this insanely healthy selection of green? I don't exactly. know. Exactly. I don't know. Yes, I get it. All you people listening are rolling your eyes and go, God, this guy's insane. And I'm not going to deny that. I mean, it's gotten, <laughs> I've gone down the rabbit hole of all of this stuff and I don't know why, but <laughs> there it is. So yes, get, get out and go enjoy some of those great restaurants around DFW. I mean, that's really cool that DFW has so many of those nominees. No, man, it's fantastic. The other thing, and I just came across this and I thought, really, this is wild. So the Academy of Country Music Awards, which is one of the big, very big country music awards of the year, is happening May 11th. It'll be hosted by Garth Brooks and Dolly Parton, and it will be in Frisco at the Ford Center at the Star. <laughs> wow. Yes, and I thought that is... Really? Okay. And apparently they'd had them, I guess, at AT&T Stadium several years ago, and they'd, they'd been in Vegas, and usually they're in Nashville, but for whatever reason, this year, they're coming to Frisco. There'll be a very select, I mean, if you are a country music fan, there are a select number of tickets you can actually purchase and go to the awards show. I, I don't, I mean, if that's your thing, Awesome. I can't tell you any of the nominees because they haven't been announced yet, but this is one of those things where they will announce Entertainer of the Year that Garth Brooks has won six times. I know Miranda Lambert won it last year. You know, one of those big-time things. They do all the awards. What's interesting about the ACMs is they also do radio station awards, and our friends over there, like Hawkeye and Michelle Rodriguez, they right. have been, that station, 96.3 KSCS, has been nominated for Major Market Country Radio Station of the Year. Mm. which is kind of cool. No, that's damn good. It's really wild, too, of how that those two stations, which were, when we were doing ESPN Radio, we were across the hall, like literally directly across the hall from KSCS and diagonal across the hall from the Ticket and the Wolf. And those are the four main radio stations in the Cumulus Cluster there in DFW. What was wild about that was obviously ESPN went away. It used to be that the Wolf was the dominant country radio station for years. And then I don't know why the wolf has just dropped off and KSCS has become the dominant number one rated country music radio station. It's really interesting. And what's wild is they're both owned by the same company. Yeah. So, so I don't know how much they really care. I don't know. Maybe it's just the personalities just slowly took over. It could be. And, and you know, I think it goes, it was like this and, and this is just reality. And look, I love the ticket. I, I love it. The Jeff Catlin, the program director at the ticket is, is a mentor and still one of those guys that I talk to all the time. But I, when you, whenever there are two stations of the same format under the same umbrella, especially at the local level, whatever station has the most success, generally speaking, is the one the company focuses on. And you can only do so much with the other station because they don't want it to, to ding too much into the success of what the main station is. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, we experienced that at ESPN, you know, fairly or unfairly. It was just the reality of what it is when right across the hall, the ticket, which is a behemoth and a Marconi award winning station and one of the best sports talk stations in the country, that gets a lot of the focus and rightly so. You know, that's why I think was weird about this just from a radio perspective is 
how they made that flip. And I wonder how hard it is now for the Wolf because KSCS, you know, when your numbers are higher and your ratings are higher, you're billing more. Right. It, 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 it's interesting. Do you want to, it's, it's almost like I wonder now if, if they kind of look at it locally, like, okay, well, the Wolf, they're here and they can make up this other thing so we can make it a totally different sound, but we don't want to take away from our, our billing champion at KSCS. That's why they pay those people the big bucks, bro. Because those I mean, are hard decisions to figure out. And if you mess it up, you've messed it up. That's reality, man. I mean, even where I am at Birmingham on the local level, there is an ESPN radio affiliate. Nobody knows that. You know why? Because Cumulus has the LMA on it, which I won't go down the rabbit hole on what that is. They basically lease the signal. And because of that, they don't even call it ESPN radio. It is known as Jocks 2. But yeah, you see this from time to time in different markets, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, so you have it. There it is. So that was a fun little trip around the block. So you can eat at really kick-ass award-winning restaurants. And then after that, if you feel like it, you can spend an hour and a half driving north on the tollway to go see an award show. Dude, that's, uh, that's got John Hickman's fingerprints all over it out at the Cowboys. He's uh, How should I describe Hickman? He's a uh, anytime you see like somebody singing the national anthem in their country music, it's his it's his work, his hands at work. Uh, he is uh, Stephen Jones's, I believe, brother-in-law, and uh, but he does a lot of uh, stuff like that out at the stadium. And and if there's some country like a country awards show, I'm pretty sure he had a big deal in bringing it in. Pretty cool thing, man. I mean, that's you know Frisco. Frisco is about to become like Arlington where yeah. they are going to because Arlington, obviously home of the Rangers, home of the Cowboys. There's a lot to do there. And, you know, people in Arlington get pissed when you go, it's not just DFW. Arlington is huge here too. I get it. Frisco's becoming that they're about to have a, a Disney world resort in Frisco. The PGA tour and the hall of fame is coming to Frisco with that major I mean, eventually, but a PGA championship is going to be played in Frisco. The Cowboys are practicing there. It, it is going to become one of those cities that is going to separate itself. Like when you take it apart, I mean, at some point, I wouldn't be surprised if Frisco is like, oh, look at Frisco just by itself as a top 30 market. I mean, population wise, because of how much is there in, in the massive expanse and what everything is in Frisco. It's kind of fascinating, man. Now, and to think about it, man, you know, the reason they moved their headquarters out there is 20 years ago, Jerry hired all these engineers and stuff to tell him what's the best place to move in 20 years when we get ready to get out of Valley Ranch. And they told him Frisco. And so he started buying up all this land out there before anybody even realized we should go buy land out there. And, uh, you know, that's why Jerry Jones is Jerry Jones. That's so wild, man. I mean, it, it is Frisco has grown by 500% since the year 2000. Wow. And its current population is estimated to be about 225,000. Damn. So if you look at that, Frisco, according to the Dallas Morning News, Frisco is projected to crack 300,000 by 2030. It's booming, bro. But I mean, you know, I mean, look, look how many five, eight, six, eight high schools they got already like eight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a bunch, man. And so, you know, you think about that and it's like, OK. You know, you look at I mean, and I'm talking like just separating out the city by itself. You get into 300,000, you are you're Pittsburgh. 
The city of Pittsburgh has 300,000 people. I'm not talking about the metro, just the city by itself. You know, so you look at it like that. I mean, once you start getting up over 300,000, you're talking about you're a a top 60 market just by yourself, (laughs) which is nuts, dude. It's crazy. Frisco. Ah, All right, so we'll move forward here. And as we do... You know, speaking of you 300,000 people that live in Frisco or you 8 million people that live in North Texas, that's a lot of homes. Well, for those of you that may be new residents, you're probably discovering like, holy crap, the soil here is trash. Yeah, it is. You're like, why are these cracks in my walls? What is this? It's called North Texas soil meets North Texas foundations for your homes. And sometimes that creates problems. So if you're seeing those cracks, the sticking doors where... You know, this will happen to you from from time to time. I was in a home once that had a little bit of a foundation problem. And fortunately, we like we didn't own it, so we didn't have to mess with it. But man, it is the wildest thing where you're like, man, like six months ago, this door had zero problems opening and closing. And now it's like I have to rip the door handle off to get it to open. (laughs) Those are signs that you may have a foundation issue, which is why HFX Foundation Solutions, those are the guys to call. Aaron and his team, it's local, it's family owned. They're a full-service foundation repair company, and they can handle your drainage and your gutter installations as well. And you want to make sure all that stuff plays together in terms of your foundation. And the cool thing is with HFX, it's a free, no-obligation inspection. So you can give them a call, explain to them what's going on. If they think it's worth them coming out, it doesn't cost you anything. And you always, as Jacques likes to tell you, it's not like quite getting a camera shoved up your butt. But you want to have them come out and check it to make sure that you're really that your home, your foundation doesn't have those types of polyps that your body has where there might be a real problem. No, nah, man. And, you know, we call it laughingly, lovingly a colonoscopy for your crib because they do all of the your colonoscopy checks out your insides that you can't see. And, you know, Aaron and his team over there at HFX, well, they do. They check out the inside of your home that you can't see. And so it's a really good preventative deal. You should get it done. Give them a call. Have them come out and check it out. And if they do happen to find something, chances really are that they find it early. And we all know that if you catch something early, it's a heck of a lot less than if you catch it late. So give Aaron and his team a call over there at HFX. Have them come check your place out and get the peace of mind that comes from knowing your house's innards are all good. Make it happen, man. It's easy to do. Again, that number, 817-770-0174. Check them out online at hfxfoundation.com. The Dallas Mavericks, man, it's, it's rough. The Mavericks, they had their chances. I got to watch that game last night because it was on ESPN. They had their chances. I mean, the reality of it is Philadelphia is a better team. Philadelphia, I mean, Van Gundy was talking about it on the broadcast. They're one of the best teams in basketball. They can win the NBA championship. They were able to get it done when the Mavericks couldn't. And the frustrating part about that is the Lakers and the Thunder both won on Wednesday night. The Mavs are now one game behind Oklahoma City for 10th, a game and a half back of the Lakers and the Pelicans for the ninth spot, five games to go, but Oklahoma City owns the tiebreaker on the Mavs, so really you could look at it like they're two games back of Oklahoma City. The Mavs own the tiebreaker on the Lakers, but reality of it is they're start, they're legitimately getting to a point, if they don't go 4-1 and one in their last five games, they will not make the playoffs. Like, they won't even get into the play-in. They, they've got to win and start winning, and I don't care who you're playing, you got to win. Pretty much, man. Uh, they get an opportunity to win uh, when they play the Heat uh, the next game. But, you know, they played much better against um, 
uh, Philadelphia than they had been playing. Uh, in, in, you know, if they played like this against Charlotte, they'd have won those two games and we might not be having this conversation. But they didn't. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I told y'all that when, when they lost uh, the back-to-back to Charlotte, they just looked like they had quit to me. And then when you just look at everything that has to happen, it just looked like it's, it's they can't win enough to me to make the playoffs because, I mean, they haven't. Uh, but what I find interesting is, and uh, I'm, I'm probably not surprised, but, you know, I've been hearing a whole lot of slander on Kyrie Irving. And I got to tell you, man, since he showed up, I haven't seen or heard anything that would make me slander him and be like, oh, look at this guy. He's the, he's the idiot seven-letter cuss word that everybody said since he showed up. To me, he's been pretty honest and pretty um, accurate about what's going on with the team. Like, even if he says yesterday – I don't think anybody thought we'd be trying to get into the play-in. I mean, like, who thought they'd be trying to get into the play-in, bro? Yeah, no doubt. When he showed up, it was all about, hey, maybe they can get to the number four and have home court Yep. Uh, in, in the West. It wasn't like, so, you know, some people have jumped on that and been like, oh, look at him. He's, you know, or blaming him for the reason why they're struggling. And uh, he made a really perceptive comment the other day. Uh, I mean, yesterday after the game. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he was kind of like, you know, we were in control of the game. They made their run late. We felt some pressure. We didn't handle it well. He goes, that happens when you have a new team after a trade. If we had been together, we'd have done this in October, earlier in the season. We'd have worked it all out by now. And with this the kind of game, we'd have closed out. Well, that seemed like a perfectly, perfectly reasonable response to me. So what I'm saying is his reputation has preceded him. And so now people feel like, you know, they can just kind of dump on him and blame him for what's going on. And frankly, I haven't really seen anything to blame him for. He's kind of done what he was here to do. They just haven't been able to win. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, so far, you know, since he's been here, Kyrie has just been about as model of a teammate and a basketball player outside of, yeah, he's got some health things and he had to miss some games, but He's legit, man, and he brought it last night, you know, 23-6. and six. Luka missed a triple-double by two assists. He had 24-10-8. Even Tim Hardaway came through and, and, and had some nice times, but unfortunately, they, they got absolutely nothing from the bench. I, not absolutely nothing, but, you know, Wood and Hardy came off the bench, played 30 minutes, only gave him 17 points. I, I, and you talked about it the other day with the, the three guards and how that would work, and Man, I, it's they're missing something. And and again, Hardy, when when you're relying on your third guy, your third ball guy to be a a Jaden Hardy who is brand new to the NBA, there's going to be nights like that. And it's tough, man. I I never this is this will be one of the greatest failures, not just for the Mavericks, but in local Dallas sports that I can remember if they miss the playoffs. You're talking no, about, I mean, you've got a, an all-world, once-in-a-lifetime generational player, and you're going to miss the playoffs? And, it, and it's not, I mean, he played the bulk of the season. I mean, that, that is when, stunning. When 10 games, when 10 teams make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, well, that's what I said, bro. I mean, I was keeping it real that, you know, when you have a colossal failure like that, somebody's going to be the scapegoat. And, you know, it could very well be Jason Kidd. Uh, the only reason why it might not be Jason Kidd if you think Jason Kidd is the key to keeping Kyrie, uh, and so you might you might you know acquiesce to Kidd 
in hopes that he'll he'll lead you to Kyrie and you keep him for another half of the season, give him a chance to start next year. And if it doesn't go right, you know, fire a kid and blow it up. But uh, yeah, bro, they got they got problems. I just don't see any consistency. Like they had three guys scoring twenty points last night: Luca, uh, Kyrie Irving, Tim Hardaway Jr. And they lost. And I read some stat the other day where they have a losing record when they have three players score 20 points or more in a game. The rest of the NBA has like a 60% winning percentage, 70% when it happens. So there's some kind of, you know, just weird disconnect with this particular team this year. It's something, and it is, it's stunningly disappointing. They still have that chance, like, but man, I just... It's a hope and a prayer at this point because, I mean, the reality of it is if Oklahoma City continues to win, the Lakers continue to win, I mean, you because you, now you're hoping that they both go like two and three or something to close. And, and then if they do that, right. you've got to go four and one at worst. Because now you, even if you go undefeated, you are hoping the Lakers or the Thunder lose a couple of games somewhere along the way. And that's where this thing is just like, I it's it's... I never, I never, ever thought once Luca got here, you know, maybe his rookie year, but outside of that, once he got going, you thought, okay, you just opened the window to 10 to 15 years of competing in the playoffs and you're in the playoffs every year and you're one of the best teams in the NBA and you're competing for championships. To not make the playoffs it is stunning. No, it's been an incredibly dysfunctional uh, season. Um and, uh, you know, hopefully we can toss this out as an aberration, but we won't know. And then, you know, the, the other thing is everything's tied to Kyrie. If he comes back at, you know, $50 million a year, now you're kind of stuck with him and you hope that he acts right, uh, which he's done thus far. Uh, but if he leaves, you basically got, you're basically back where you started with Lika, with Luca, and no real assets to put a team around him. I mean, it's uh, it's a bad, it's a potentially bad situation, bro. Yeah, it's wild, man. And, you know, you look at it, you go back to when they acquired Dirk, and it took him a couple of years to figure it out. But once, I believe it was his third year in the NBA, 22 years old, once they had Dirk, they made the playoffs every single year until the 2012-2013 year when he was 34 years old. I mean, that's, that's how it's supposed to go down, you know? And it's, it's when just you, when you have a superstar like that, he's supposed to carry you to the playoffs. You're supposed to compete for championships, period. Yeah. And, and that's where I can't fathom this. I just cannot. I can't fathom this. This is a colossal failure if they miss the playoffs. And I think they are. So stunning. I mean, seriously, it, like I, I can't recall. I can't recall another season. I mean, because you could go back to a couple of the Cowboys seasons. Oh, well, the Cowboys missed a season. They had these guys. Well, yeah, because Romo got completely injured or Dak blew out his ankle or whatever the case may be. Right. And then there was something that made sense that you could blame it on. This is just unbelievable. Speaking of Dirk, it has been announced. I don't know if this is official, but it's been widely reported that this is going to happen. The 2023 Hall of Fame class for the... The Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, headlined by Dirk Nowitzki, the number six all-time scorer, the only player in NBA history that has played 21 seasons for the same franchise. Dirk, obviously a Hall of Famer. He is joined in the class by Greg Popovich, Pal Gasol, Tony Parker, WNBA star Becky Hammond, 
and Dwayne Wade. Because, of course, they had to put frickin' Dwayne Wade in with the same class as Dirk. Well, you know, your thoughts on Dwayne Wade aside, it's really a phenomenal class, bro. It is a phenomenal class. It like, is for the, for the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame, they be having some people in there. You go, really? Uh, okay, I guess. But this particular class, man, it's, uh, it is tight. It is. Like a, uh, I mean, it's tight like a Tupperware lid. It's, yeah, you know. It is tight, man. And it's, you know, it's interesting because, like, I, I get it. I'm not a, a Dwayne Wade fan, but obviously he's going to get in. I thought it was interesting because Pau Gasol is one of those guys, you know, and you have to keep in mind, like, it, it's more than just what you did when you were in the NBA. Because to me, I... I I put Dirk on a different plane than I would put Pau Gasol on. But right. Pau Gasol also had a lot of international success, you know, and, and that's something that the Basketball Hall of Fame incorporates all of that. Like, it, it matters what you do internationally. Your it's, whole basketball career. Right. I mean, Dirk, one of the completely revolutionized the game, as we all know by now. But Pau Gasol, to his credit, was a 17-9 and nine guy. You know, Dirk was a 21-8 and eight guy. So similar, but I, I don't know anybody who's taken Pau Gasol over Dirk, personally. Nobody, except his mom and dad. Right. So uh, a, a standout class. A lot of people think that this is it for Greg Popovich, that he's going to walk into the sunset after this season because the Spurs suck. And, you know, it, it's Greg Popovich, you can make a case and obviously, Red Auerbach would have something to say about this. But I, as much, I'm not a Spurs fan by any stretch of the imagination. But you can make a case that Greg Popovich is the greatest coach in NBA history. Well, I don't think I think that's perfectly legitimate. The consistency of which the Spurs played, the championships that they won, uh, he did it with a couple of different casts. Yeah, I don't have any problem with that, man. I mean, five NBA championships: the first coming in '99, the last coming in 2014. Like you said, doing it with different casts. I mean, just spreading out throughout the course of his career. This dude has been the Spurs head coach since 1996. In that time, they have missed the playoffs four times with the three of those times. They missed it in his first year as a coach, and they have missed it in each of the last three seasons. That being said, currently sitting on 1,344 wins, which is the most all-time and you're also, of course, keep in mind, talking about a guy who was the coach of the gold medal award, the gold medal winning team in the 20, it ended up being the 2021 Olympics. I don't know. It, it's, it's one of those, because when you talk about the great NBA coaches of all time, I mean, Red Auerbach is usually what the bar is, but, you know, it's a completely right. different, way totally different league back then. Totally different league. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's why it's hard to compare errors, because everything's so much uh different now than it was then um you know but uh i think popovich could have probably coached in any era the way he approaches the game the way he connects with players uh his principles for the way he plays uh but he's a hell of a coach man hell of a dude too yeah and so it'll be interesting to see if this is it for greg popovich I mean, you're talking about, man, there they're just were few that did it better than him. Phil Jackson, obviously. you got to throw out Phil Jackson, of course. But, you know, Steve Kerr, when it's all said and done, maybe up on that list as well. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, you know, give me Phil Jackson, Red Auerbach, and Greg Popovich as, as you know, take your, cho your choice of whoever you want out of those. And then, 
you know, probably Pat Riley is up there. If, you, if there's a Mount Rushmore of coaches, those are probably the four. No, I'm not going to argue with you at all about that. I like that. Yeah, it, it's, it's hard to argue with Phil Jackson if you want to say he's the greatest coach of all time. I mean, 11 titles, two different franchises. Yeah, man, plus he handled Michael Jordan, which is not an easy task. Yeah, and Kobe and that whole bit. I mean, it's pretty impressive, man. So there you have it. I hope that all of you enjoy opening. Well, I hope you enjoyed opening day because by the time we talk to you, it'll have already have happened Stoked about opening day, man. I'm ready for it. And the Rangers, of course, off on Friday. And then they play the Phillies Saturday. Supposed to be on Fox. And then they're the Sunday night baseball game. The first Sunday night baseball game of the year. National TV on ESPN, which is exciting. Hopefully the lady is cool knowing that we will be watching baseball on Sunday night. That's what happens. You spend a bunch of money on a free agency. Yeah, man. But, you know, with the new pitch clock... If, if the Rangers pitching staff is on and, and the Phillies got a nice staff as well, you know, if DeGrom and Aaron Nola are doing what they are expected to do, we may get like a two hour and 20 minute game today, <laughs> which would be awesome. I'm here for yeah. that, man. Give me the two hour baseball game and, and I will watch a lot of them. I was going to say that would be beyond awesome. Um, considering what we're used to with the Rangers and their beer league softball approach over the last couple of decades. That's fantastic. Ready for it, man. We'll see what the Rangers do this season. What uh, What do you want from DeGrom today? Okay, what What do I want? I would like, I mean, you know what? Give me six innings, man. I, I don't know. He's probably, and I don't know what it is. He's got to be on some sort of a pitch count. I think they yeah, said 75. Supposed, yeah, that's the number that, that was in my head. And so that would be awesome if he can get, man, if he could get six or seven innings and he's doing 75 pitches, then he's dealing. Oh, yeah. I would say for me, if he can get five, come out of there, a couple runs, we straight. Now, if he's really dealing, perfect game, 75 pitches. Hmm. I'll be interesting <laughs> to see. <laughs> Look, I'm going to tell you this, man, and I don't want to jinx anything. I just hope he goes longer than Corey Kluber. Okay. All right. Who, remember when, oh, we got Corey Kluber, and he goes out, first start, first inning, gets hurt, and never pitches for the Rangers again? <laughs> Dude, nobody remembers he pitched here. My God. So get me three innings, and maybe that'll be enough. I just, I mean, honestly, though, yeah, I'd love to see DeGrom go six innings, but, man, if it's five and you feel good after the start and, you feel, and your body feels good, I'm taking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just check it out and see how it goes. I, I just wanted to get your feel for, uh, you know, I want to see the first rotation go one way through. I know that's not the end all be all. I just want to take a glimpse of it because, again, Gray and Perez were like one and two last year. Now yeah. they're like four and five. And yep. that to me is uh, that's how you that's how you get good and compete for a playoff spot. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I mean, the the the, bull, the middle bullpen is one of those that makes me a little nervous. I actually like the back end. But if he's if he's pulled after five innings, six and seven or where, you know, you wonder the mid part of that bullpen, how that's going to work until you can get to the dudes who can come in and shut it down for you on the backside. But it should be a fun one. I'm looking forward to it. And I hope everybody are by the time you hear this, I hope it was great and you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody have a great weekend. We will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. 
Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.